RTL Original Podcast. Household name Anne Farber is a celebrity chef and foodie who is regularly featured on TV cooking up a storm and has five published cookbooks under her belt. In fact, we first met a few years ago when I started the podcast and asked if she would share the story of her success. Welcome back to the show, Anne. So, Anne, I'm going to dive right in this time and ask you about the way that you work. And that's something that people are really interested in, how successful people go about their day and how the little details might be making all the difference. (laughs) As an independent who works for herself, how do you manage your time efficiently And how do you stay organised? I imagine that's quite important for someone like you with all the things you've got going on. Yeah, sometimes it's like a proper mess in my head and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm all the time writing emails to myself to remind myself (laughs) of not forgetting like half the things I do. But um, let's just um, take it a step back and explain. So basically I'm doing everything these days. So um, I'm obviously developing the recipes. I'm coming up with the ideas for them, developing them. Um, But then I'm also actually photographing the dishes. So I'm thinking of the food styling. When I create a recipe, I think of what props will be nice, what was going to be the mood of the recipe, what backgrounds am I going to use. Um, And I'm actually also filming the recipes myself Mm -hmm. now. So Back in the day, I used to have a crew and we used to have a studio. Um, But now in COVID times, all of that has changed. And I've started filming the show and recipes myself in my kitchen. And that's a challenge. But you're lucky that you're somebody that knows how to do that. Well, I mean, yes, my background is journalism. So I worked as a a camera woman even in the UK. I've done all of that. Mm -hmm. So I know how it works. But still, it always evolves. And I actually ended up filming this whole show with my um, smartphone, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'd never done before. I think these days there are so many online tutorials as well. And you can find out so much. You just need to give it a go and just play with it. And if you're a bit talented, you'd usually manage to get something good out on the other end and I was lucky enough to really get the hang of it very quickly and um, now I've started doing lots of Instagram and TikTok videos where I'm shooting like step-by-step videos you know those quick things Mm -hmm. where you just see the hands and I only started that a few weeks ago and I just bought one of those iPhone holders top-down iPhone holders and I just put it up and I'm now realizing it's so simple to do this all I needed was the the right technical equipment which cost me 20 euro yeah God, I hope that doesn't mean that the people who are doing your tech are not going to be employed after this. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> it does mean that there is a shift in employment. Okay. Um, because there is, if I can do everything myself, then the budgets are going to be cut by my clients as well, because mm-hmm. they're also going to say, why would we need a cameraman with it? But the good thing is that if I work with a cameraman, I'm going to give them such an amazing looking food porn quality (laughs) video that is on a completely different level. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll have to think of that. We'll have to think in terms of quality. You can create lots of great content, but to get the really good content, you still need a good team and you need to work with other people. Agreed. Can you share some of your daily habits that have perhaps helped you to achieve your goals? So I think self-discipline is super important. Mm. If you work from home every day like I do and like many, many of you out there are doing these days, you need to be self-disciplined. So you can't think of the dishes or the laundry of that all the time, even though I also multitask and do that in between of filming. <laughs> um, 
So what I usually do is I get up quite late, I think, as in like eight o'clock or 8.30. I think all the moms out there are going to be like, what? Yeah, I get up late, but I also get go to bed late. And I often wake up in the night and write emails to myself of what I'll have to do the next day so I don't forget it. Um, the first thing I do is I have coffee and I check my emails. And I love in the morning to do all the things that I don't really like to do, which is emailing and planning and doing all the kind of paperworky stuff, invoicing. So if I have that out of the way, my day can be creative afterwards. That's how I work. And then if I have meetings or interviews like now, I always love to schedule them in the afternoon, like mid-afternoon, because I know usually my energy will have a dip at that point. I'll Mm -hmm. be tired. I won't be be good in front of a computer, you know. I will be just distracted. So I'll try to do the things where I'm in action and out and about later in the day because I will have all my paperwork and my duties done before. Mm -hmm. So that's the discipline part of me. I always film in the um, uh, lunchtime yeah, because then the light is the best in my house. And also then I can eat it after it's been filmed and photographed, <laughs> which is very handy and very practical. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think generally it's just um, the, the biggest thing is not to put up a lot to put off work so if there's something that's not nice to do don't say oh I'm going to do it in a few days just sit down and do it and you're going to be so happy when it's done that's my my mm-hmm. mantra actually do you take snack breaks as well uh, <laughs> no um, no actually no I don't I often have um I, if I snack or if I drink tea and stuff it's always at the computer it's I don't really have breaks during the day okay uh, I live on my own, so I also don't have to make food for anyone else. So it's really my own schedule all the time, mm-hmm. which can be a bit workaholic. It's true yes, because yeah. there is no real break. The only break I'll have during the day is that I'll quickly eat lunch in front of my laptop whilst watching some silly Netflix show or mm-hmm. something to just turn off my brain for a few minutes. And then in the evening, I'll always celebrate dinner. So I'll normally have a glass of wine or two whilst cooking. And I'll cook myself something really nice to relax and unwind in the evening. That's very important for me. Do you ever struggle um, to unwind? I know you said that you have a glass of wine, stuff, but do you ever struggle to switch your mind off into thinking about work? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I don't struggle because I actually work is my life (laughs) and I love it. So that's... You embrace it. I embrace it. But um, it's sometimes hard to turn it off. Yes, because wherever I go, I always find inspiration or I photograph something or I film it for my social media. Mm -hmm. So it's an ongoing, constant thing. Mm -hmm. But it's a good thing, I think. Fair enough. Um, So a lot of people do something that they really enjoy and they think, okay, maybe I can make a career out of it, but they're not sure because there is a fine line between being good at something and really loving something. So what made you realise that cooking was your calling and not just something that you would do because you enjoy it? Um, so I've always wanted to be a journalist. So that was always very clear. And I worked in journalism and food was my passion. Mm-hmm. So my ultimate goal in life was always to become a food journalist. And dream I dreamed of having my own cooking show and I made it happen. Um, so I worked as a journalist in, in, in other fields and I always tried to push kind of um, features about food and <laughs> often I managed to do them and I realized I've got a real affinity for it and yeah. uh, I became a food writer for Time Out in London and it just made me realize I really should go down that niche because if you've got a passion and if you really have found a niche, especially in journalism, just go for it because that's that's what people are looking for. I mean, it's not about just being a jack of all trades these days. It's really about also finding your passion and making something out of it. Having said that, 
people should really realize if you make your passion into your job, it will become your work, mm -hmm. which means that you will never, ever enjoy your passion without any kind of yeah strain to it in some way some no pressure you can't just even i in the evening when i cook my meal to re relax i'm still writing down notes i'm still testing it and weighing it exactly because mm -hmm. i can never really let it go and i know a lot of people who've made their passion into their jobs and who stopped after a while because they said that it just took the fun out of it right it became a strain mm -hmm. so i think it's also wrong to assume that everybody needs to find their passion and make it into a job sometimes it's just lovely to have an amazing passion and to have a good job that pays the bills and enjoy the passion without the pressure. God, that couldn't be more true. I remember I love theatre and then mm. I decided to study theatre. And as soon as I did the first semester, I went to see something that they asked us to see. I couldn't enjoy it because mm. my brain would then analyse exactly. every little part of it. And it That's why it. I can't watch shows like Chef's Table mm -hmm. or um, other good produced um, food shows because I'm not analysing the way they cook, but analyse the way they film it. Right. I'm like, oh man, I wish I could... Well, let's, let's get that angle next time yes. and so on. And it's really not relaxing. And then you can't enjoy it fully like, no. a, like a real audience member would. That's why I love reality TV shows because there's no good filming and it's just brain turning it just off. Is what it is exactly it's you know what i say this a lot but i think that some of the most intelligent people enjoy some <laughs> of the most stupid shows reality shows specifically i'm watching bling empire oh my god it's excellent <laughs> it is so good i urge you to watch it as well um has covid changed the way that people see food and for you has it changed the way that you cook as well um, yes, I think, I mean, there, we could have a whole show about that, but yeah. I think to hone it down on one thing, I think I've become more conscious of um, food waste and I'm really trying to always um, use up things. I mean, um, in my kitchen, the problem is I always have tons and tons of food lying I around bet, because yeah. I'm testing this and then the next day I'm testing that. So there's a half pot of carcase, there's a half <laughs> onion and, and stuff. And then in the evenings when I'm taking time for myself, sometimes I just look at the fridge. And I'm like, okay, what cool thing can I now do with yeah. these leftovers? And I'm actually embracing it and really finding new creative ways of doing recipes off the fly. And there is actually a good show on Netflix that's doing that. It's called The Big Leftovers Show or something. Okay, I haven't seen it. It's that. not a very well-produced show. It's not very entertaining. But the, the idea of it is that they're getting leftovers, like takeaway leftovers, and they're turning it into ravioli or okay. some really fancy stuff. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it's quite cool, isn't it? Very interesting. Okay, so, Anne, you've obviously put a lot of effort into your social media and it looks like it's something you really enjoy. Do you feel that it's changing the game a bit for the way people work and kind of promote themselves? God, totally, totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to say it's so much work to do social media if you want to do it properly. I mean, that's why there's people who are completely social media managers. Mm -hmm. and it's often underestimated how much work goes into one single post. Um it's changing because there's more different platforms now and it's also like you have to constantly po post stuff to get even engagement. I don't know how you feel, but I feel that on Instagram, the engagement's going down. Yes. As in, I think the algorithm is punishing uh, me that I'm not publishing more than once a day. Mm -hmm. I now heard apparently you should publish once a day or no, three times a week and at least 10 stories a day to get a good algorithm. Wow. And I'm like, oh, 10 stories a day, that's a lot. I mean, I 
do I try to do at least two stories a day or that always something is there but 10 a day yeah but you want it to be engaging as yeah. well you know I'm really conscious of not putting more just stuff out there you know it's exactly. like am I adding value if I'm not then I'm not going to no. post no exactly and I, I think it shouldn't be too narcissistic either it shouldn't all be about yourself which a lot of people are doing it should as you said it should have some value mm-hmm. um, and I think what I'm struggling with is that um, I'm a bit overthinking it so on Instagram for example you want your feed to look look nice you yes, know? yes and it's become this whole oh my god oh is this color going to yeah. go in my feed and I, I mean I've never done it well I think anyway but it's completely paralyzing me in the way that I'm not posting some interesting um not, not, not interesting but not spontaneous content <laughs> in my feed yes. the spontaneous stuff is in the stories whereas the feed is more polished it's pretty shot recipes or it's mm-hmm. like nice photos um, and I think that's where Instagram maybe is going a bit off off at the moment and I think that's why people might be moving more towards TikTok which I've only just started and I was a bit overwhelmed at first because it's all about videos mm-hmm. but there it's really interesting because the feed doesn't matter at all it's really about just pushing out stuff being entertaining and I'm noticing that I'm getting a lot of comments on TikTok, a lot of engagement, which on Instagram is not really happening anymore. Why do you think that is? Are there just more people on TikTok or are there like a a different audience that may not already exist for you? I think it's a different audience for sure uh, on TikTok. It's younger. Mm -hmm. Um, At least what I'm seeing at the moment is it's completely different people to who follow me on Instagram. It's... um, I think it's people who might not even know what I do and who I am. They might just see my post on Kachkes and be like, what? She's writing about Kachkes. And then they add their comment or they say, the Swiss, has, the Swiss have far better cheese than the Luxembourgish. And then I comment, I say, well, you might be right, but we have some pretty decent stuff too. And does TikTok save your video? So do you have the same problem where you're worrying about the aesthetic of your newsfeed? Or uh, yes, exactly. But I think nobody worries about it because all of the ones I've seen so far are horrible. No one has a nice feed. So it's really deliberate. It's really liberating because you feel like I can post anything and it doesn't matter what it looks like afterwards. It just needs to be good content. Do you feel like as an entrepreneur, you need to really adapt and evolve with all these new trends? That's a good question because my mom was saying, oh, don't go on this TikTok thing now. You're just going to waste more time on these non-essential things. And I, I was sitting down and thinking, well, actually, yes, do I need to? And then I thought, actually... At the moment, I have a period um, in my work where I'm a bit more free because I don't have like a show that I need to shoot on a daily basis and I have a bit more time. Mm-hmm. So I thought it's time to reevaluate and just like see how I can grow my brand reach a bit more with new people. Mm-hmm. Hence, I went on TikTok and I, I, I don't know what it's going to bring. At the end of the day, it might just just waste my time. But it's always important to see, uh, to test the waters. Um but at the end of the day, are these views going to give me anything? Are they going to sell more of my books? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. So what is it worth? Is it just vanity that you want to get more likes? Is that what social media is about? Mm-hmm. I don't think so, though. I think it's important to have a presence. Well, I think for someone like you, especially because you're a whole brand, you know, so they don't just buy into the books. They buy yeah. into the fact that you're an interesting person. What have you been doing today? And I think 
you know, on the other side of it, as somebody who follows you, I think it's so refreshing that I get to know what Anne's been up to all day. You know, I get to know what she's had for lunch. And yes, if every now and then she wants to tell me, you know, that she's got a new book coming out, that's Mm. fine for me because I'm a follower anyway. You know, I would like to know about the book anyway. So I think it's quite organic and Mm. it comes quite naturally. Yeah, it shouldn't just be pushing a brand, that's for sure. And that's not what I'm trying to do at all. Um, But at the end of the day, what is paying the bills? That's Mm -hmm. always the question. And I think that is what every person who spends a lot of time on social media should really sit down at some point and think, is it really worth the time I'm putting in? Um, And especially if you're an entrepreneur, you need to, as I said earlier, when I sit down in the morning, I do all my paperwork, I do all the things that need to be done. And only after that, I'm actually looking into my social media because my business comes first. Mm -hmm. I need to first generate income. And then the social media is the cherry on top, which becomes more and more essential. Yes. And as a brand, because I see you as like a brand, the brand that you've built, do you feel like every now and then you need to sit down, reevaluate and see what direction you're going in? Or do you feel like it's been very solid from the start? Um, It's very organic, I have to say. I don't really plan things. Things Mm -hmm. just come as I go. So I'm realizing, oh, the carcase is getting traction. So then I'm thinking about doing more recipes with that. Or I'm taking, I'm often being very spontaneous and organic, but... Um, Lately, I've been sitting down and thinking a bit more about strategy. And one interesting thing that's come up is I'm communicating a lot in English because I want to be very um, inclusive. So I want to include the expat community in Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. I I target them, actually, because I I love the expats here and I want them to learn more about Luxembourgish food through me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have some international followers, too. Um, But the problem is that the Luxembourgish people are not very happy about me communicating in English. And it so happens that in the last two days, I got three messages by three different people saying, why are you only writing in English? I'm unfollowing you now because you are Luxembourgish. You should write in Luxembourgish. And it's really, it's going, I mean, that really, really Mm -hmm. hurt me because Mm -hmm. I know these people didn't mean it in a mean way. They also said, oh, it's not a criticism. It's just, I don't understand your Luxembourgish. Why do you just keep on writing in English? They see it maybe as pretentious or as something that they can't relate to. My answer is always the inclusivity. And it's also, I always had the impression that Luxembourgish people don't really mind the English. I thought so too. And there's always Google Translate. And actually, you can buy my books and everything is in German. So you will understand everything. Um, But it's, it's made me sit down and think, should I really now change my Facebook strategy and write every post in two languages? Mm-hmm. And then I can't write Luxembourgish properly. We never learned that. So I will write like a child. And then actually, isn't that going to be more harmful for my brand to write Luxembourgish in an incorrect way? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I want to open that gateway. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. And the other languages, what about, would you use French then? No, or my German? God, no French. I can't yeah. really, French is not my language. <laughs> it's I'm hard not. to write French well as well, may I add. I can write it <laughs> grammatically correct. I can be a spell checker in French. I am perfect in writing French, but I'm very bad at writing engaging and snappy French. It will be more like textbook French. (laughs) No, and German, no. Okay. No, it would have to be Luxembourgish. Imagine if I wrote in in German, then the Luxembourgers would be well pissed off. They would say, why do you write in German now? Yeah, but you can't please everyone, right? That's the thing. No, but the question is my main following and my main people who are engaging with my brand and who are also my customers are Mm. Luxembourgish. Yeah. So am I doing something wrong with the language? Would it be too much to do both? I I am actually really thinking about doing it. Yes. 
I am. You know, I have to say, I would really like if you did decide to do okay. both. I know that it's more work for you, but as somebody who's learning Luxembourgish, mm. I find it hard to find engaging mm. content that is new okay. in Luxembourgish other than my textbook, which is fascinating. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm scared that my yeah. Luxembourgish teacher is listening, but I I love the mm. language and I enjoy learning okay. it so much, but I don't feel supported by what content is out there. Okay. So if there is both, then I don't feel lost because there are also Luxembourgish um, bloggers who are, they lose me because they speak so quickly. Mm. And there I just think, oh, my God, this is too quick for me. And they're words that I don't learn in my class. But I think if you were to do it in writing mm. and I could compare it okay. to what you were saying, mm. that would really help okay. me to learn the language. Well, I mean, in my videos, what I've, I'm doing is mm. they are in Luxembourgish, but I've subtitled them in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hear that a lot of people who are learning Luxembourgish are watching them because mm-hmm. I'm apparently having a very uh, clear pronunciation yes, in Luxembourgish. Yes. And it's quite slow in a way that I'm saying, oh, and now I'm adding some flour to the dough. And then you see the flour go in. Yes. So you will know, oh, miel, look in the bus miel dran. You yeah. will know that miel is flour because you yes. see it. So it's very didactic in that way. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe I'll, I'll do the extra time. Yes, I know that it'll be extra work. But the thing is, this is where I'm at now, where mm. I think as an expat, we are putting in the effort to learn it, mm-hmm. but we want you to meet us halfway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I say you, I mean the Luxembourgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean this is all on your shoulders, Anne. <laughs> but I would like y- you yeah. to provide the content so that we can engage and be a part of it, okay. other than like, what colour are my socks? No, fair anyway. enough, fair enough. And I think that's a very good, um, yeah, a very good You argument. want us to speak and the language, yes. right? Yes, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we have decided here in Marina's show that uh, I am going to start writing on Facebook in Luxembourgish. Okay, it's a done deal. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Okay, so time for some fun questions now. And I'm sure the foodies amongst us will be grateful that I'm asking this. So on MasterChef Australia, I don't know if you watched that one. I have. It's brilliant. But it's the best one. Actually, I prefer the UK one. Do you? I love Greg and John. No, but the Australians (laughs) are so nice to each other. They they cheer each other on. You know, in the UK one, when someone's doing a pressure challenge, (laughs) people laugh. Everyone's laughing (laughs) or or they're sniggering in the back when they do something wrong. In the Australian one, they give pointers, they cheer, they clap. I love that. What does that say about me? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, but I sort of love it. Anyway, so there is a challenge where you pick your best and worst ingredient to cook with. What would be your best and worst ingredient? Um, that's a tough one. I yeah. mean, I think best would be anything with cheese because you can just make anything taste good, cheese and butter. Yes. But I think Kachkeis, Luxembourgish oh, runny yes. cheese. I absolutely love it and I'm always finding new ways to play with it. Yeah. I think it would be a best one because it's very unusual. True. And... I don't like, I mean, I think one of the worst ingredients would be if they put a tomato there or something very obvious, <laughs> because I would be so um, struck for finding something original with a very, very classic ingredient. Yes. Having said that, anything kind of shellfishy, uh, I'm really, really a bit lost. I mean, if you give me oysters or oh something. God, I love shellfish, though. Yeah, oh. but but can you cook it? No. <laughs> See, I, I can eat that's it. That's the thing. That's what I mean. It's a very yes. tough thing. Or, I mean, to be honest, I'm not a very big meat cook either so if you give mm-hmm. me a steak I'll be like yeah okay I can make you a steak but I wouldn't want to chop it up and make something interesting with it so I think the worst ingredients are the very obvious easy yes. ingredients when they're too broad aren't they yeah. there's too much you can do with them what's your favorite way to eat case? 
well, actually, with a spoon straight out of the <laughs> pot, of course. But I love uh, making my kake sauce, which um, has is, has been very popular with knidlen. Mm-hmm. I've and, seen that, yes. But I think the very, very best is actually the next level eating it with a spoon, which is turning it into a very nice cheesy fondue. Oh, mm. that sounds very with nice. With wine in it and with kirsch in it. Okay. Yeah, it's that cozy. sounds nicer than normal fondue, oh, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's less cal- calorific. Okay. Because the carcase itself um, has 0% fat, but not the pot you're buying. The oh, pot has fine. 40% because they add <laughs> butter to it. That's why it's so good. Okay. But the carcase, the log, when you buy it uncooked, which I'm using as a base for my fondue, yes. that has 0% fat. And then you're just adding bit of cream and some of that stuff to it but less than if you were eating it right out of the pot so it's more like the things that they add to it that make it fattening yeah. rather than the thing itself because the cheese in a cheese fondue is very very fatty yes usually. and yes. here it's carcase with gruyere okay the gruyere is fatty but half of it is a zero percent fat cheese as a foreigner, dare I say, my favourite way to enjoy cachés is on a piece of toast yeah. with some mustard yes. and some black pepper on top. Is that oh, like the classic way to enjoy it? That is, but yeah. the black pepper I haven't oh, done yet. Oh, you need the black pepper. It gives ah. it that little edge. Oh, I love it. Really nice. We'll Cheese and black tonight. pepper goes very well together. Um, if you could be a dish, no, what? what dish would you be? What do you mean? <laughs> so, if I could eat myself? No, like if you could, if a dish could embody who you are could sum up you as a person what dish would that oh my be? god oh my god i considered rest- texting you last night to ask you this so you could think about it all night but then i was like no she'll be up all night <laughs> yeah, actually, I okay so let's go get down the luxembourgish route um, okay i'm gonna say a rieslings pastet okay you know what it is yes it's that um pate of meat wrapped in something and then there's a bit of jelly pastry so and jelly a, it's a meat pie yes um but it's a fancy one. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> it looks one. a bit unassuming, but it's decorated nicely because it's got this little chimney on top with like a flowery thing around it. And then when you bite into it, so first of all, you've got a crispy pastry, which is delicious. Then you've got this layer of white wine <laughs> jelly. Obviously, there had to be wine in my own dish, in myself as a dish. And then it's got this really fragrant, really good flavoured meat in the middle. And... It's just something that has layers. So from yes. the outside, it might look like one thing, but then you uncover it and it's got different layers. Oh, this is a very good answer, Anne. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and um, it tastes good and it's very Luxembourgish. Um, but with a bit of... I make it with... Actually, I make my versions sometimes with um, Thai flavours or Indian flavours. Oh, yes. So it's with a little twist. So yes. I am a Luxembourgish Rieslingspastet with a twist. And I can vouch for that. Your Thai one is delicious. It's absolutely amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Um, if you could eat any meal in any restaurant in the world, what would that be? Oh, my God. I bet that people would now think I'd say like something like, oh, eating at Noma or I don't know, at some kind of fancy thing. I really don't go to fancy restaurants when I travel. Mm-hmm. I love eating in the dingy street food places where you just get the proper... That's the real food. Exactly. Yeah. But the first thing that pops into my mind now is... I'm craving dumplings. I'm craving good mm-hmm. dumplings. So I would love to go to Hong Kong and eat um, eat Sha Long Bao. Do I say oh, that properly? Yes, yes. At Din Tai Fung. Oh, that's delicious. So they are these um, amazing little dumplings that are filled with gingery pork mixture and then if you bite into them there's a soup coming out yes. you obviously know it's it delicious. i'm just explaining it for our re- listeners because it is one of those things that makes life worth living i know <gasps> i think it's the way the skin of the dumpling is so thin and then there's soup that comes out afterwards as well that's really nice the truffled one is amazing too yeah and one. the hairy crab one is oh my fantastic God. 
<laughs> Why do we do this? Why? Um, so I feel like I can't let you leave without asking you this. So there's people listening who are aspiring chefs. What advice would you give them? But I'm not a chef. That's the mm. first thing I always say. I'm not a chef. I'm actually a multitasking food producer, so to say. So mm-hmm. I'm. for me, food is really, it needs to come from the heart. Yeah. So if you want to go into cooking, I think really the most important thing is to go your find your own voice. Yes. So learn the basics, of course, know how to make a, a sauce and how to... F- fillet a fish I don't know but at the end of the day that's not what's important the important thing is passion and drive and finding their your own voice and also not shying away from like just throwing throwing traditional recipes out of the window and doing something crazy creative I often feel that in Luxembourg it's a bit um, going down the safe way and mm-hmm. um, there's still a lot of th- recipes that can be reinterpreted and there's a lot of way and place for um, new ideas here in restaurants. So how do you know that you're good enough? You know, because everybody experiments in the kitchen, right? So how do you know that you've got that edge that's going to make it into a career? You don't I have know, right? no idea. Well, actually, if everybody tells you it's really good and their plates are always empty, yes. I think there's something to it, right? Yes. But if everybody tells you it's very good, but their plates are always still half full. Yeah, then you could maybe, <laughs> maybe kind of think about a different career. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you so much. And one final thing from you. What do we have to look forward to? And what does post-pandemic bring for you? Well, I'm going to be traveling the hell out of this world I again. Bet. I, I will. So you can follow my Instagram and, oh, newly my TikTok. Oh yes. my God, I joined TikTok and I'm doing product reviews on there now. So I've decided to go to the supermarkets and show you my favorite things. And also um, sometimes maybe uh, just show you what I eat and do a bit of recipes on there. So I think I'll do more social media okay. and um, obviously working on new books and whatever will come my way. But I'm going with the flow for now. Okay. How can we find you on TikTok? Uh, Anne's Kitchen TV in one word. Okay. And Instagram? Anne's Kitchen. Okay. And everything about your books is on your website, um, Anne's Kitchen dot lu dot lu yes. okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. great thank you so much for coming back thank and you Marina I look forward to seeing more of you on social media happy cooking thank you <laughs>